I'm Critter. I'm Jace. And we should be working. working. God damn it. It's one, two, (laughs) say it. (laughs) All right. I'm Critter. I'm Jace. And And we we should should be be working. working. I fucking hate you so much. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Check out out this intro I'm about to do. You ready? Oh, no. Welcome back to the Morgan's Morning Morgan. Oh my god. Today we got Mark Boyd, who is married and has Wait, a kid. Wait, can we start over again? What did you say in the beginning of this? <laughs> Welcome to the Morgan's Morning Morgan. Yeah. I thought there was a legitimate intro, like, the, yeah. which I wouldn't know because I don't listen to your podcast. So, I mean, I thought there was something. How dare you? Jace, yeah. turn him off. I'm done with him. <laughs> what? No, I accept him more for this. Look, That's why know, he's here. The one time I try and do a solid intro. Although. Y'all both cut me off. Although, Boyd, you you would you would have so much more ammunition for shaming Critter in front of people if you listen to the podcast and all his whining that he does. No, I actually I actually do want to listen to it. Uh, <laughs> it just mm-hmm. um, as the aforementioned uh, being a parent thing. Is he just turned one? Your son? You have a one year old now? Yeah, I have a one year old son. What's that like? Just, <laughs> uh, I mean, this last year has been obviously nuts. For everyone uh-huh. is obviously a weird time to have a kid um but in a way there, there's like a blessing to it which is like well, we've had to be home all the time had no choice and so we just got to spend a lot more time together um and that's why i've been working from home the past year because you know covid like everyone else and um but now it's like i don't really want to give that up because it's just you know i'm done work and then go downstairs and hang out with the kid you know like it's it's a pretty good life we're pretty lucky so. so you so the like the lack of a like I know for a lot of people the lack of a commute has been tough having that like separation between work and family. Yeah, and I don't think I've ever felt that way about working from home. Um, like a lot of people say, like I just can't focus when I'm at home because I have all my fun things at home. I don't know. I don't have a problem just kind of getting in my zone, kind of no matter where I'm at. Um, and no, I don't miss the commute on the DC metro. <laughs> um, you know, nothing against it. But I I don't feel like I need that as part of my day to be satisfied. So. I, I I think I like I haven't had an actual commute in ten years or something. But I do kind of wish that there was something between. Like I'll I'll go from working to being surrounded by kids in like three seconds. You know, you just stand up and open the door, and then they're on me. And uh, I wish that there was like maybe just five minutes or something in between. I could see that. Maybe I'll feel it differently once he's older. But um, for now, it's pretty legit it's also prime reading time man on public transportation yeah that i can i'll give you that that was one thing i really i i, I struggle to commit myself to reading every night before bed i've done a lot better this year um because i was like i don't know my resolution quote unquote so i've do, done a lot better but still not as good as i should have and the, the metro yeah there's nothing better to do so you just end up reading so yeah yeah it's a good point jace is a big reader too Super big reader. No, I on my commute side would always sleep. What's your favorite book, Jace? My favorite book of like all time. Yeah, do you have one? Why do snails have shells? Is that a real book? Yeah, it is. Look it up. What's it about? It's about why snails have shells. It's a children's book from a fucking Uh, from my childhood. It's not like a metaphor. (laughs) Yeah, I figured this was like something deeply philosophical with the you know just like random (laughs) title. Um, I figured Jace was going deep on us, but. Nope, keeping it super shallow. That's the way I run. Is this? Did you just make this up? I can't find this book anywhere. 
It's a very old children's book. <laughs> like how? Oh, why snails have shells? Mine. Oh, it's a Hawaiian book. Yeah. A co- when I was a kid. A Kola Walu book. It says. So wait, Jace, were you born in Hawaii? Yeah. Oh, that's. Wow. Yeah, I. Uh, first time I came to the mainland, I was like ten or eleven, I think, and that's for like a family reunion type deal with people that live in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Now you know why he's so mean and stupid. All, all them rednecks. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I don't know. Like most people's, like, why would you leave? Would be the question they would ask. But I, I know it's probably more complicated living on the island. So. Uh, I mean, like a huge. It, it was a couple things, right? Like my family, my immediate family, all moved. So then I was just like, why, why the fuck would I hang out here still? And then mm-hmm. uh, uh, opportunities as well, just in general. Yeah. yeah. Where were you born, Mark? DC? No. Uh, I'm trying to remember which city it was. I think I was born in Baltimore, <laughs> Maryland. You're not sure where you were born? Did you move a ton? Because the hospital that I was born, like the hospital my mom worked at, I'm pretty sure. And it moved at one point from Baltimore to Annapolis. So I can't remember which city it was, but I'm pretty sure at that point it was still Baltimore. So. Okay. All right. I'm with you now. That's excusable. I know. And of Dude. course, Critter was born right down the road from where he lives right now. Cause I figured he was leave. born in a bathtub in a field or something. That's... I was almost born in my parents' car. What do you think a hospital in South Carolina was? <laughs> it's just a doctor standing in the middle of a cornfield. <laughs> With a You're almost born in a car? That's terrifying. Because I remember when my wife was pregnant, when we were looking at places to, to live in one of the realtors or whatever told me like his, his first child was just born and he had to deliver it in the car. And I was like, that just put the fear of God into oh, me. Man. I was like, I'm already like just normal delivery is already kind of intense. And, uh, I'm not, I'm not capable of that. So luckily that didn't happen. Yeah. My, uh, my wife's dad had to deliver his baby like 15 years ago, his youngest kid in a car on, on the side of a really busy interstate too. Like they just had to pull over, you know, halfway to the hospital because the baby was coming out. Like there was no stopping it. And, uh, and he, he delivered that crap, man. He owned it. I respect that. I guess you do what you have to in that situation though. Yeah. But the story is my, uh, my mom didn't want to get out of the car because it hurt so bad (laughs) because I was a big old baby. And so she was like, screw it. I'm not doing it. And we're having the baby in here. It hurts too much to stand up. And so my dad lied to her, and he was like, well, it'd actually feel better if you stand up. And he got her up, and then it didn't feel better. And she was really mad, but that got her inside. <laughs> and then I was bored, and I was so cute. <laughs> sure, sure what happened? Know. What are you trying to say, Jace? You're not, you're not one over... She's fucking cute. <laughs> you're, <laughs> not, you're not one over by my winning smile, my sparkling eyes? No, I told you, I'm the one with the, the award from kindergarten with, what, what was it, the sweetest smile or whatever? I don't believe that crap. There's no I mean, Jace does have the best smile. No one can see us on video right now. It's because he has so many true. teeth. He has like eight more teeth than the average person. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, working sure, for him. Sure. I mean, don't don't be jelly. I mean, use what you got. That's I don't know. If you're talking about like surface area of teeth, then we're balanced because I have a normal amount of teeth, but they're Horse way teeth. bigger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but if you're talking about raw counts, like tooth for tooth, I got Jace. But <laughs> <laughs> what is this? What? This is good. This is what I was hoping for. Yeah. I I didn't know Just what the heck banter. I was was coming at me when I when I entered this Thunderdome. But so far so good. All right, Mark. Here's the question. 
Oh, crap. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. I shouldn't have. Why did I tempt fate? Okay, here we go. Uh, should I ask him the t- can talents be taught question, Jace? Is that a good one? Because I really want to. No, why do you keep bringing it up? Shut because I feel like it. I feel like Mark will have a good, a good uh, insight on this. But we've already agreed on so many different versions of it in the past two conversations we've had. Fucking ask something new. But I want to know. All right, you ask him something. Do it in the off time. Asshole. Punk. Okay. Uh, What is the stupidest thing Critter has ever done that you have witnessed on work time? It's an impossible question. I've never done anything. I feel like I should have. Man, I really should have done like some reflection on my time working with Critter, but I try to repress really? most of it. Um, exactly. Um, I used to be Mark's manager. Did you know that, JC? Yeah, I did, and first... I felt sorry for him every day. I, yeah. I rather I, I had a designer for a manager for the first four months of my time at Phase Two because I didn't want you, Critter, as my manager. Well, that was a wise choice. You had a design. That's not why. <laughs> There's no way that was why. I was first of all, I wasn't a manager sure, sure. back then. You were like Critter just like worked in the mailroom when I started. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah. Just somehow like failed upwards. We have a mailroom? And into management. I don't know. That's I mean, um, I was only thirteen back then. <laughs> What's this stupid I don't know, because I didn't interact with you that much other than our like one I mean, I'd see you in Slack, but I can't remember you saying anything overtly that stupid in Slack. Was that unusual? I mean, Not even a one one? Um I'm a banging manager, man. I deliver. Unfortunately, he's kind of serious as, as a manager. He's he's usually, I guess. Okay, here here's here's one. Um, we're having our one on ones, and usually he's got his like backdrop that he has now, which for those of you because this is audio can't see. He's got like some fake wood paneling crap going on behind him. It's like a sheet <laughs> or some sort of a back. I don't know. It's, yeah, I'm in it's, a hipster it's, coffee shop. Shut yeah, up. It's, it's weird. It's he's got a whole vibe going. But um, one day we jumped on our one on one. And he was, like, under a sheet, clearly, like, in the bottom bunk of a kid's bed. And I was like, what <laughs> is going on? I was like, do you want to, like, are, is something wrong? Like, do you want to do our one-on-one? And he was, like, insistent that we do it uh, anyway, despite this really weird environment that he was in. God knows why he was choosing. I don't know if it was a okay. choice or he was being put there because he was in trouble. I don't, I, I don't know, but... It uh, it was it was weird. It it felt like I was like having a one on one with a child, which is how it felt most of the time. But I mean, um, it really added to the. I I legitimately have no memory of that, but it sounds yeah, pretty pretty of course, awesome. spot on. Of course you do. Do you remember why? Did I say why? No, that was the thing. I I, I think I didn't <laughs> want to inquire because I just assumed I was like maybe something bad's going on. I don't know, like. <laughs> Maybe you're at family's house because something bad's going on, and you're just trying to not like bring it to work, or maybe so you're I'm just weird and sheet. you like to hang out in like bunk beds. I don't know. So maybe yeah. when your kids is throwing up like all over the walls behind you or something. Yeah, you think uh, taking a call from a bed in general is like is not is not okay, not professional enough. It depends on the call. A one on one, definitely not. Uh, definitely not a thing you should do. <laughs> um, yeah. and I thought if I thought the one-on-one would be like the safest place to do that. No. The one-on-one in theory is the one you're taking more seriously than the call where you're like on a call with 30 people, you know, 10 of whom obviously don't care, including you. And so like for those calls, 
I mean, make sure your video is off, but if you want to sit on your bed oh, and, yeah. and listen to those calls where like nothing productive is going to happen anyway, you know, go for it. But, uh, a, a smaller group call where you're going to be on video, it's, it's not a good look. I don't think. Well, especially in a one-on-one for yeah, a while there, a for a while there, I worked with a guy who would like, if you had him in the morning, he would, he obviously would have just woken up and he didn't even put a shirt on. So he was just like sitting in bed with no shirt on, on the call with like 10 other people with the camera on. Really? And, yeah, I, it was amazing. Like I can't, I can't even relate at all to the instinct to do that. You know, and Did why not just put a like, shirt on? Remain employed? Like that? That seems. Yeah, it was a little bit of a bonkers company, so there was a lot of weirdness going on back then. But uh, but that kind of that stuck with me. Yeah, that's a uh, yeah. That's special about that. Yeah, that's. I don't know what to say to that. I mean, in South Carolina, maybe that's how they. Is that is that how it was? It was just like your local web development shop. No, this and guy was. Where was this guy? He might have actually been in DC. Now that I think about it. Well, he was a city makes, boy. Also makes sense. <laughs> All right. No, I do have an actual question though that is not related to learning talents, but I'm going to ask that eventually. Um, here's what I've been thinking about. The have y'all ever heard assume best intent? I know I've talked to you about this, Jace. Or you know, it's like basically another way of saying uh, what's the thing. The give everyone give the benefit, the of, the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Have you ever been in a situation where you thought that there was no way to do that? Because like the only obvious, the only possible option for this situation is that this person is just being a jerk or something. And then you actually realize. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> I know you have. And then you realize like, oh, wow, they actually did have a legitimate reason for doing that thing that I never could have imagined. And I just wasn't being like creative enough and trying to think of how to give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I mean, I, I read, I do read your blog occasionally and you had one blog about, <laughs> um, don't flip the bozo bit, which is like, I think a related thing. Like don't, don't just start assuming someone is like a bad actor. Who's just trying to screw you over. Even if maybe there's like legitimate reason to think that, like give people the benefit of the doubt basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think working in client services, I, I, which I don't know Hope phase two would be okay with that description which i worked there for for several years i think this is you have this is your life if you're if you're client facing at least um like clients just you know they they, it feels like every day they're coming up with a new way to torture you like (laughs) oh um you know that scope we agreed to i guess what no um we're gonna we want to redo that uh we want like we decided the whole design is not good uh like a week before the end of the project like you know, it just, and obviously there's horse trading and there's like negotiations that have to be made, but it's very easy to get in a place where then you just assume all clients are terrible. Um, and I think it's definitely, it, it, while it may like feel good, like privately, like angry at them and like stewing over it and you're like, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm so much better than they are. Um, it's just like unproductive and ultimately unhealthy for you in the long run because mm-hmm. you just carry around this like negative energy. shut your mouth <laughs> yeah you're yeah making jace question his whole worldview <laughs> <laughs> oh no i'm i'm well aware of my whole worldview and what i'm doing to myself yeah i mean it's tough balance though because there are some people some clients who are like even if you're giving them a benefit of the doubt they're not they are just being difficult just they're not just trying to be difficult, but they don't have like good legitimate reasons for what they're doing. They really did just decide at the last minute that they were unhappy about something, regardless of like whether it was contractually agreed upon or not. And, but even in that situation, like 
I don't know. <laughs> Unless you're the person that has to handle that, which I usually wasn't. Like you, I don't know. It's just not worth it, really, getting angry over it, I guess. Yeah, it's uh, not worth it getting angry over it. Exactly. Exactly, Jace. It's how I fill my day. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. The, the thing that made me think about this uh, is there's a... Do y'all know Sarah Bareilles? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay, why are you being weird about this, Mark? <laughs> she's, she's, I had to think about it. She's a musical artist. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm a super big fan of hers. I read her book and stuff, and she's awesome. But she has this great story where uh, she You read was... Sarah Bareilles' book? I thought you only read, like, dumb, like, Harvard Business Review articles and, like, <laughs> coach em up books or whatever, like... It's, first of all, astounding that that was part of your reading, but okay, continue. All right, you derailed me, and I want to tell you that <laughs> my favorite ever life lesson from a Sarah Bareilles, or from a, any book, is from Sarah Bareilles' book. <laughs> Why is that funny? <laughs> Just Why is it not funny? To, <laughs> you have to go through the laughs, because we're going to okay. laugh the whole time. Uh, okay. So, she had, uh, she just, like, gotten broken up with. She's in college, and she starts bawling in the middle of class. And so, a professor takes her outside. This is a true story, according to her. And the professor's, like, sitting there eating, like, pineapple out of a bowl or something, some fruit. And she's crying and, you know, explaining to him, like, my boyfriend broke up with me is the love of my life. And he just calmly says, uh, let time pass, eat more fruit. And he handed her the bowl and then just left. And like she was like, both of those pieces of advice have stuck with me. And I just love that. Like, let time pass and eat more fruit and you'll just be good. That's all you really need. I feel like I tell my wife that all the time when something bad happens. <laughs> just like, not the fruit part, but the let time pass part. How does that work out for you? So you just like, you, you know, you just do something that makes her mad and you're like, don't worry about it. Just, just let time pass. It's, I've never done feel anything better about it later. before. Oh, right. Of course. Yeah. But for, for sure. real, like it's uh, until she comes on the show. There's such a, I don't think she'll ever, she'll ever come on. I really want oh, her to though. That'd will. be hilarious. She will. But that's such a temptation. Like whenever somebody's struggling with something, you want to fix it for him right then, you know, or you want to like empathize and relate to them or whatever. And really... Ooh. It's, yeah yeah but but i mean i think that the trick is just like yeah it sucks right now and it's gonna suck for a while but let time pass and it'll it'll fix itself i think that applies in a lot of areas of i mean like i feel like i don't know for me like first year marriage was learning like yeah you don't it's not your job to solve things it's mm -hmm. your job to be supportive and and listen and yep uh that's hard to learn when you it's not your default way of being but um I don't know. I don't know if that always applies in a work context. I do feel like that can lapse into sort of like, uh, just like, I think there's a certain amount of Zen attitude that can just be like letting the, it be someone else's problem when maybe you should be like a little more proactive. Yeah. And I think it can be really tough to tell the difference too. Like I've, I've straight up had to ask direct reports before if they were vending about something, I'll have to say like, do you want me to try and help you fix this? Or do you just want to, you know, just want to say it? And a lot of times they just want to say it, you know, and I'm glad that I asked because otherwise I would have annoyed the crap out of them. Have you all ever seen that skit? It's called like The Nail. Does that ring any bells it's on YouTube? It's no. this. It's a boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm like four layers removed from what I was originally going to say. I'll get back to it. <laughs> but it's this boyfriend and girlfriend and uh, you, you, I think you can just hear him at first or something. And the girl's saying like, I have this splitting headache and I just feel like I can't focus throughout the day. And then it shows her and she has this nail sticking out of her head. And the boyfriend's like, well, you got a nail in your head. And she's like, well, can you stop just trying to fix everything? I just want you to, like, relate to me, you know? And it's this it's this whole parody of that whole thing. <laughs> Finally, he's like, oh, yeah, that really sucks. She's like, thank you so much. 
And I, I definitely had to learn that lesson too. Within, uh... <laughs> I feel like that. I, what's the point of that skit? The skit seems like it's sort of like uh, making fun of that, though. It seems like it's sort of it like is. it's like saying like, though you know, you legitimately have a problem that we should be trying to solve, but you're asking me to listen rather than trying to solve it. Which I, I get the point that like you need to listen, and that's important. But like the skit seems like it's making the opposite point. So I don't know where you're going with this. Really, I think I think that sometimes people need to to try and solve their problems i think that's the point this kid's trying to make that like it's it's really nice it feels good to just vent and whine about something but a lot of the time if you actually try it's fixable and you're just too grumpy and stubborn to see that i also feel like asking your direct report do you want me to solve this sounds like a good way of just shutting them down like listen i'm listen i'm done hearing you whine about this like, <laughs> stop that sounds that sounds a little aggro i don't know well you don't say it like that I know you do. That, you that's got, how you say it. <laughs> you I know say, that's how you say it. No, no, no. You say like, do you, do you? Uh, how do I say it? I say, do you want me to to brainstorm ways to try and solve this with you, or do you want to just talk through it, or something like that? Right. And it's like fifty fifty. Sometimes they want help, and sometimes they just want to, you know, be upset. Yeah. Well, I mean, you maybe you can't really solve it, even if you wanted to. Is the other thing. I mean, it's like. I don't know if it's, a, if it's above your pay grade or if it's interpersonal with someone else, like you can give them strategies or ideas, but you can't solve someone's relationship with someone else. Yeah, but you can you can coach them. You can ask them some spot on coaching questions that oh, helps them yeah. solve it for themselves. Yeah, all those ones you pilfer from all those books you read. That's right. Yeah. Like, what's the real challenge here for you? That's my favorite. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't remember you being that like that when you were my manager, which is a good thing because we we would have had a very adversarial relationship. Yeah, I didn't have those tools yeah, back then. I was gonna say if you were my manager with that attitude, I'd be very angry. No, I don't. I, I don't think you. I don't think you get it. <laughs> you <just don't... laughs> no, 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 right? I fucking get it. <laughs> fucking agitating. So you're saying you just want somebody to give you all the answers, even though they they don't know as much about the situation as you do. As you do, and they don't have the context. I'm saying I don't want to be managed by you, which I mean, I think exactly. God, well, that's I, that's all I'm saying. I don't know. <laughs> all right, saying your management style is shit. Get it away from me. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna be baited by this because I want to go back to the server. <laughs> Of course, because that's the important thing to circle back to is Cerebralis. <laughs> what the hell is wrong? I do have a Cerebralis story. Which oh my is gosh, funny. shut up. So Let me tell this story. Back in like 2007, 2008, I think it was like Halo 2 or Halo 3, we got really like into it in the house and we had like two Xboxes set up and we'd play like online and stuff and we'd just like just kill a bunch of people. But uh, Cerebralis? So, no, no, what would happen is Sarah Bareilles would just come on randomly on the radio, and then one of my friends, like, oh, love cranked song? it up. And then, yeah, Love Song came on, and then I I would just start singing the lyrics while just killing people or running people over with ghosts and stuff, and that <laughs> See, became, a, like, I, our war song. That's a better Sarah Bareilles story, and I think she would appreciate it more, honestly. Like if, I, I haven't even so. told my real It got me through a lot story. of times, a lot of hard times in Halo yeah. when I was like down and out. And then the song would come on and we would just like... Sometimes it amazing. it's not just eat more fruit, it's play Halo and listen to Sarah <laughs> So That song is pretty legit though. Like that's a good like angry screw you song if you really think or uh, listen to it. And that's probably yeah. why you like it so well, much. She wrote it, well, she wrote it about her label company, right? Oh, I know. I read the book. Okay. Just, just saying. <laughs> 
Don't don't try to, don't try to one up Critter right now on Sarah Brella's knowledge because he's gonna take this very I, no, you personally. Purposely have to. You don't know Sarah B like I know Sarah B. <laughs> so here's the story. She's on stage. Have y'all y'all know? Uh, she used to be mine. Her like big emotional thing from Waitress. No. musical some fairweather fans y'all are don't know Chris. Just stories <laughs> i wouldn't even call myself a fan so yeah i told you the limits of my fandom right there that one halo story from fucking but, 13 but years ago tell us about waiter waitress or whatever <laughs> waitress. you're talking about <laughs> so it's the big it's this awesome like emotional song and she's standing there and she's doing it on stage and uh she can't see the people in the crowd because the way the stage lights are but she can tell that somebody in the front row is recording her with their phone and that's against the rules and it's super distracting and she gets mad and she almost like forgets the lyrics and she's all distracted the rest of the time so she goes on instagram and like angry rants about it like who the heck do you think you are coming in here recording me when it's not allowed like just come and enjoy the show all this stuff and you know thousands of people are like yeah tell them that's not cool and then she gets this message from a girl who says that person recording was my 12-year-old sister. And she's horrified and she's crying and she wants to know how she can make it up to you. And of course, you know, like that's like heartbreaking for Sarah B to, to hear Why? that after she just like ranted against this girl who ended up being a 12-year-old fan who just, you know, looks up to her and idolizes who her. Who doesn't and... understand rules? Where, where the fuck were her parents? God damn. Can't read a fucking sign? She's a kid, what Jace. What the fuck? What, what the heck did you do? Why does a 12-year-old have a goddamn cell phone? I don't understand. What is one, happening? You're the one hitting rocks at cars when you were, like, younger than that. So, yeah. so yeah, I don't want to hear it about not respecting rules when you're a kid. Nobody told me not to. That's the point of my story. But the point is... All the way up until I did. The point is, if she got a little bit more creative about... Uh, assuming best intent, then she might have thought maybe that was just a little kid who's a really big fan of mine and didn't understand why that was a bad thing to do, you know? You feel me? Sure. I read your blog post, unfortunately, so I already <laughs> I had this uh, little nugget of wisdom, uh, you know, already yeah. already implanted. You're in not allowed mind. to read the last week's worth of blog posts before you come on the show, because that's what oh. I <laughs> Okay, I got it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. that That story, there's layers. There's layers to that story. Because I can understand an artist getting upset about that. I don't know. I don't know what the corollary is to other types of performers. But if it's distracting to you and you feel like you can't perform, but like, yeah, maybe it feels like rather than angry ranting on Twitter or whatever the hell about it, just, you know, let it go. Again, like, is this worth the energy to continue to hold on to? Or like, what am I gaining by continuing to hold on to this? Like, are you going to be able to retroactively change what that person did that made you upset? No. So like what what is this what is this Twitter shaming really achieving? So you're coming at it from like a mindfulness point of view. Like even if they were being a jerk, just let it go because uh what's the expression? Uh uh hey, I can't remember exactly, but it's like hating someone is like poisoning your own drink to kill them or something like that. Like it only hurts you. It's drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Yeah, yeah, that one. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean I don't think that's always true. I mean, I don't know, I can't I don't know, maybe like for certain kinds of conduct that's truly awful, it's acceptable and understandable to, to not be able to let that go. But um, for something like this, it's like understandably irritating, but maybe you should be able to let it go. And in the business context, like someone's, this happens all the time. Someone says something in a meeting that's like, it's just not true and like misrepresents your work or like um, they're just rude 
you know, of course people are like that sometimes like just, you know, this, this happens and it sucks, but like, is it really worth it to go back? I mean, if it's a pattern, maybe if like the same person acts this way all the time, like maybe then, but, um, otherwise, you know, move on with your life. That's so hard to do, man. That's why I, that's... I, I've already said that I light myself on fire to light other people on fire. Like that, <laughs> that is how I get angry. <laughs> I just I don't know. I think the reason I, I I think I'm maybe sounding much more zen than I than I honestly am. I feel like maybe this is how I aspire to be. Whether I actually am this way, I don't know. You'd probably have to ask people who work with me. And unfortunately, Critter did work with me, so he could probably attest that this probably wasn't true. But uh, so this is like how I aspire to be. I don't know if I actually am this way. Have you? Um, when's the last time you can remember getting like legitimately angry, like ruined your day type angry? about something that happened at work? Um, I don't know. I can recall fairly, very recently, as in like the last couple of weeks. I don't know if I would say ruin my day. Um, I can just recall being frustrated. Like I'm usually pretty good at leaving work at work, even though I'm working at home and just like shut it off mentally at the end of the day. But there have been a couple of days recently where I was still frustrated and thinking about it later. I don't know if it ruined my day, but it maybe put me in a different mood. Um... And, uh, but I don't know. I think during times of phase two, I would get angry enough to like not be able to even focus on continuing to work. And that was just stupid. So mm -hmm. do you think it's, do you think having a kid changed anything for you? <sighs> Add some perspective. No, no. no. Um, I think, uh, I mean, I got feedback on this, I think not from you cause you weren't a good manager, but, um, I think I got <laughs> feedback on this at phase two about like needing to, I don't know exactly how it was phrased, but like, uh, be less passionate. I, I, I don't know what, yeah, I can't, I'm trying to think how, how it was phrased, but like being able to focus on what's important and let go of what's not or something like that, maybe it was the way mm -hmm. it was put. Um, and so, you know, and actually what that getting that feedback that now that today, I can remember being so angry that I just like couldn't focus on anything, like getting the feedback my mind was like, nope, I, this is just screw you. Like, I'm just trying so to do a good bitch. job. And like, you're just like hating me for like trying to actually care when, when no one else seems to care. That was how I interpreted it at first. Oh um, man. I want to hear more me, about that. took me a we, long we time same, to like, like come, to come back around to being like, maybe there was some truth to that. It took me, it took me a while. So, um, so, so let me let me make sure I'm clear. So, somebody told you try to let go of the things that you can't control, and that became another thing you couldn't let go of. Yeah, I, I can't remember if that was exactly the wording they used. Yeah, yeah. May, maybe it wasn't. It was like, like let go of what's not important or something like that. And I think at the time I was on a project where like I felt like, to be honest, some people weren't pulling their weight. Some people who are actually more senior than me were not putting their weight at all, and I was this stepping when we work out. together. Um, I will not. You were not on the project, oh, um, but um, and then, and so I felt like I was doing the right thing, or at least what I thought was the right thing. Like I'm gonna step up and fill these gaps, even even though it's like not my job technically or whatever. And I was doing that, but then there was like these contentions with the client uh, about like how we do things, like technically. And I felt like I tried to approach it diplomatically, but there was probably some times where I lost my, my cool and didn't, didn't handle it diplomatically. And that, that probably led to that feedback, but then it just pissed me off more because it just felt like you're punishing me for caring enough to try to do my job well when someone else, that was how I interpreted it. 
at first. Is um, is there any way that they could have given you that feedback at all? That would have been, you know, better received? Or were you just determined to get upset about that stuff, no matter what anybody said? Um, it's hard to say. I think I probably would have reacted negatively no matter how it was presented. But I do think if it had been approached more as a conversation and like, um, you know, less as like sort of like just a statement about like my my behavior, like if maybe they had asked like why I was maybe acting in a way like that, even if the behavior itself was bad, if they had tried to understand where I was coming from, I would have felt more, maybe I would have felt more understood. Um, but I probably still would have been more mad. I probably still would have been mad. So that makes me sad. See, I've I've uh, I've worked with people in the past that had a like their their bar for what it meant to be professional was higher than other people's bar, you know. And so, like when other people didn't meet that that bar that they had set for themselves, they thought it was like a lack of respect or like they weren't doing their job or whatever. But really, it was just like a mismatch of ex- expectations. And uh, yeah, I always struggle to find a way to talk to those people about that. To find a way to talk to the people who like have a higher bar of professionalism. Yeah, because to a certain extent, that's you know it, it's seen as a positive thing to expect a lot out of people, and and you know the, if you can do it in a positive way, that makes people, you know, work harder and and do a better job because expectations matter and they want to you know look good for I don't know whatever you know what I'm trying to say, but but if it if it becomes toxic when people don't do these expectations that the other people like don't even it's like a covert contract of I think I've talked about that before of like. You think I'm doing X, therefore you should also do X. But the other person doesn't even know that that's some sort of like implicit agreement. So like for all they know, they are doing a good job and they're meeting their own expectations. And it's just not fair to expect that of them. Yeah, I mean, there's truth to that for sure. Though I do legitimately feel like there are times where people are just not pulling their weight. And I do still feel like even though I think I can think back on that situation and I can see how I how I didn't handle things as professionally or diplomatically as I should have. I do think that I was still trying to fill a gap of someone who just literally wasn't pulling their weight. And it's still, there's still part of me that's frustrated that I felt like I was being punished for trying to do that. Um, well, it, it's it's like every situation, right, where you could have done better, but you could have also done a lot worse. I mean, <laughs> well, you could have gotten far more angrier, far more publicly and stuff, too. It's, it's, I mean, it's not I, always just like, I could have done better, too. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't sound like you were being punished for filling the gaps, though. It sounds like you were being punished for having a bad attitude. Um, but would I have would I have acted that way if if the person whose gap I was trying to fill had just done their job in the first place? I mean, I think that's a, a fair question to ask. I'm not I'm not saying I couldn't have done better. I think undoubtedly I could have done better in any number of ways. Um, but. I do think like an analysis of the problem from a manager level that doesn't see that there was another problem at the team that contributed to this problem is kind of shallow. Um, I don't know, man. You sound, you remind me of, uh, of my kid who screams at my other kid. And when I get them in trouble, they're like, yeah, but he hit me. You know, like that doesn't make it okay to scream at him just because <laughs> two wrongs don't make a right. <laughs> uh, all right. I feel the love. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I'm on your side here, Mark. It's, it's fine. Yeah, any any side that involves being upset, Jace is always going to be on that side. So that's cheating. Uh, yeah, I, I I believe there's I, always there's always an excuse for retaliation. Yeah, I guess I I don't think I'm saying that like my way I acted or 
you know, my professionalism couldn't have been better. I think there's like, I, I, I can now accept looking back on it, that that was definitely true. Um, but it, you know, the reason it made me so angry and the, and the part of that I still have letting a hard time letting go of is the fact that, um, I guess I do have, I guess it does the professionalism thing. I have pretty high standards of professionalism and I, I don't know. Like, I, I think that this conduct was just blatantly, it wasn't just like someone wasn't doing like their job exactly how I thought they would, should do it. Like this person wasn't doing their job at all. Yeah. Like they were, they were mailing it in. They were just like, it was so obvious. And, um, I guess that kind of always makes me angry regardless. Do you so. think, do you think nowadays you'd be able to handle that situation without letting it emotionally affect you like it, like it did? Yeah. I mean, I think I would handle the situation differently. I think for one, I, I don't, I don't necessarily step up and try to fill gaps, even if I think they are there. Um, because good man, it's not a, a guarantee that you're going to make the situation better. You know, like it, it comes down to like, uh, yeah, like you're not perfect. So like, it's not a guarantee that even if there is a gap there, that you're going to make it better by trying to fill it. Um, and of course, if you do it, you need to do it. You need to do it well. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think I would approach the situation. We're still talking about work, right? Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> un that's unfortunate. I got I got baited into that. He's tricky. He's tricky. This one. That's going to be the soundbite from this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I've, I've brought up this book multipliers a few times that I've been reading. And that's like, that's a pretty good summary of the book of like, you, you got multipliers and you got diminishers. And oftentimes diminishers aren't, you know, just jerks who hold everybody back. They're often the people who kind of do all the hard work themselves because maybe they don't trust anybody else to do it. Or maybe they think they're the smartest person and they don't leave a lot of room for other people to, to step up and grow and, you know, learn things. Um, and seeing a gap and then immediately filling it yourself seems like accidental diminisher behavior as opposed to a multiplier that would probably see a gap and then point out the fact that the gap exists and, and let someone else figure out how to fill it. Hmm. Hmm. Like um, that? some truth to that. Uh, uh, context think, matters for sure with that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I completely buy it. One, I, I, I really hate these. I hate your management books, and they're like, you know, like <laughs> binary or trinary groups of like, oh, everyone is either a diminisher. Or, well, I don't know. It's it's a that. spectrum, but um, yeah, go on. But I, I don't know. I think it takes all types. Like, sure, it it, it takes it takes having people who are gonna, um, you know, raise flags and like improve team dynamics and that and, and, you know, hopefully like get it addressed at a higher level. Sure. I agree with that. But, um, I do think there are a lot of heroes out there who like are just silently doing work that they're not necessarily being asked to do. And if they weren't doing it, man, like things would fall apart. Like society would cease to exist. I, I just mm -hmm. like, I, I, I think that's an oversimplification to say that they're just like they're diminishers or they're somehow bad actors in a way I can definitely see. And I definitely do at this point approach things as like, I'm not going to try to self it myself. I'm going to try to engage others. And I definitely think of myself as someone who wants to, wants to engage others. And yeah, I think I definitely learned that you have to trust others. Even if you don't want to, you have to, because it, it, it won't achieve much otherwise. Um, but I'm not, I'm not buying the sort of like anytime you're just silently filling a gap, you're a, you're a diminisher. I yeah. I think, I think there's, 
maybe maybe a couple a couple pieces of nuance there one is that it probably mostly applies to people in a leadership position where leaders shouldn't be the ones doing all the hard work they should be pointing out the fact that a problem exists and then letting the and then not dealing with it yeah yeah and that's why you went into engineering (laughs) (laughs) it's sad how quickly you picked up on that is because i've i've been spending a lot of time wondering am i a multiplier or am i just not really doing anything and like what's the difference you're not doing anything (laughs) it's it's a tough balance man multiple the book has all these examples of multipliers like sitting back in meetings and not really saying much and maybe when they say something it's just to kind of like crisp up a problem statement I feel like that's all I do, but it just it ends up feeling like I'm being lazy. <laughs> like it doesn't feel intentional. No, you're actually lazy. I think you're probably right. <laughs> Maybe I'm an accidental multiplier. I wonder if that's a thing. You're just an accident. I- <laughs> so what's the idea? Like you're you're multiplying like what productivity because you're choosing to solve the problem at like a team level rather than just like plugging someone in a hole to, to like prevent a crisis, but like you're not actually addressing the underlying issue. So therefore you're like leaving a problem there. Is that, is that the idea? Yeah, it's that you you get more out of people than they would be able to get if if you weren't there because you're giving them high expectations Ooh. and you're you're setting outcomes, but letting them decide, you know, like show some creativity and, and decide how to how to achieve them. So um, creating opportunity for growth. It's like the opposite of telling everyone what to do and then not requiring them to do any critical thinking. I could see that. I could see, you know, that there's merit in that approach. But I, I do think things would generally fall apart if you didn't have people who are just like kind of unwilling to accept like um, that things don't get handled. Sometimes things just need to get done. Like I... I agree with like management thinking. I agree with like leadership. I, I think it's really important, obviously, but sometimes you also just got to get stuff done. Well, so. so how about this? Maybe if it's so my, my original piece of nuance is that it mostly the diminisher versus multiplier thing is mostly people in leadership positions um, instead of, you know, just an engineer on a project and an IC. But maybe maybe the uh, the takeaway for engineers that don't manage people and aren't a tech leader or whatever is. If you see a gap, then tell the team instead of if you see a gap, then silently fill it. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's also some nuance to that, I think, which is like maybe the hole needs to be plugged immediately, but then you're also raising it so that it doesn't just become your job. Because I think that also leads to burnout. I think like that can lead to like hero culture, which I've also seen where it's like, oh, I stayed up till midnight on last night <laughs> but because... CI was, I don't know, on fire. Um, and it's like, yeah, that kind of had to be done. Like mm-hmm. we need CI to work, but, um, but then you're going to get burned out real quick if you keep behaving that way. Yeah. Yeah. I distinctly remember a, uh, on my, my first project at phase two where I stayed up really late cause I was just like in the middle of something and I, I committed at 3am on purpose because I wanted people to see that I was up till 3am, you know, and I, I wanted that to be like as visible as possible. And then somebody Was I on that project. Yeah. And then okay. somebody called. Do you remember this? Somebody called it out in stand up the yeah, next morning. And the PM was like, I don't know whether to thank you or to tell you there's something wrong with you. And I was just so proud in that moment. I was like, yes, everybody sees how dedicated I am. And now I would be so mad I, I, yeah. if one of my engineers did something like that. Yeah, that project was nuts, though. Or like during launch week and stuff, or me and other the other dev that was on site would just stay up all night in the lobby and then the mm-hmm. the PM would come down in the middle of the night and catch us because she'd see that we were online. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Like, oh crap. 
But why were you doing that, Chase? Was it just like you wanted to? Was it like you felt like you had to? Was it like... Uh, I, I mean, there's a lot of things, right? It, it was my first project at the company. My first, like, real career project, I guess, as well. And, uh-huh. like, the first time I'm launching and it's, like, a giant client. And I'm in a new city that I've never been in before with people that I, you know, I kind of know. <laughs> So it's uh, like it's like this weird thing of like what else am I supposed to do to fill the time here? Oh uh, yeah. So yeah. I, I would also just work and then like we'd just work into the night because we're idiots. Yeah, I've definitely worked with people and I just I don't think this is your situation necessarily, but like they just feel like they have to prove themselves, especially in the beginning. And it's like there's some of that for sure. Um and it's like I can totally get that. And why you f- why people would feel that way, but I mean, it's just like, uh, yeah, I uh, you you'll burn yourself out, like you, you're you're you'll hurt yourself in the long run, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, I've had to I've had to tell a couple people that I managed before stop creating PRs after six p.m. Like, if you're gonna work after six p.m., I'm not gonna force you not to because there are some people who legitimately will be more stressed out if you tell them they can't work overtime, you know. Right. And that's like a tough problem, but at least don't make it visible because then that puts pressure on everybody else. Well, but what's the point of that? I mean, if they're gonna be working anyway, what is the point of this arbitrage? Like, you know, they're yeah, working. Just drop the rule. Like, what's the per- what's the point in saying don't create PRs? Like, you're not stopping anything. Like, yeah, there there are those people who. I don't know. For whatever reason, they just they they can't let that go, and and, and you're not going to achieve well, anything by. It's because people well, also, see that. Even, well, junior devs see that, it, and they think they have to do it too. But but it, even in like current times, like my my current project and stuff, I've I've had to split my day more in the middle, just because you know quarantine, work from home. Who gives a shit? I can leave when nobody else cares or is at lunch for an extra hour, and then make it up in the evening. So like. I'm also pushing at night. I like pushing up code at night as well, but it's not in the same context. So, like that rule doesn't make any sense. I think the rule makes perfect sense. You, you don't remember <laughs> why? <laughs> because because the reason I did that is because people have told people in that situation. I remember at least two people telling me, uh, "I I feel like I need to be working after hours because X Y Z people who I respect a lot are you know pushing PRs at 8 p.m. and so it seems but, like uh, that's what I need to do to get ahead." <sighs> I, you're I not fixing it. the problem, though. But you're, that's you're not just the problem, though. Putting up barriers. The problem is the problem that the people are working late. Clout chasing. The problem is that they think that that's what it takes to to be a senior engineer, you know, because they don't know any yeah, better. So dispel the problem. Don't be like, well, if you don't if you don't push any code after six p.m., then you no longer have this problem. What do you think dispelling the problem looks like? Uh, fixing that person who justifies their worth by what other people are doing. So, I think so, there is some merit to what Jace is saying. I I, 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 I hear you, but I do think you also have to dispel like the other problem, which is like I have to do exactly what someone else is doing in order to be a senior engineer. I know that could be a hard message to land with someone who like is junior or sees themselves as junior, but I do think that is also an important one. That like behaving exactly as other people behave isn't necessarily the path to success. Or whatever. I don't. I don't think that this is one of those things that I don't. I, no matter how many times you tell a junior engineer that, they're not going to believe you. You know, they see the example. They want to follow the example, and telling them <laughs> that's not a good thing to do won't land. Yeah, I, I guess that's just weird. But it's one of those things, right? Like Bloom was my mentor. He's the one who like poached me to bring me to Phase Two. Like that's the person that I followed. But I'm not like Bloom in a lot of ways. 
in, in a lot of ways, especially when it comes to work. Yeah, uh, that's fine. You know, you're not one of those people who who uh, right. copies what their their idols are doing. But there are a lot of people who, you know, that's how they get things done is they just have people they look up to and do what they do. It is hard. It is really hard to say, don't do that. That thing that you see other people doing, it's not actually the way to go. But it's also hard if you really have those senior engineers who, I don't know, for whatever reason are like, they feel some urgent need to work after hours and like no amount of coaching on that changes it. It's, it's hard. Yeah, it's especially, uh, I've noticed it's especially bad for some people right now, especially if people are single, don't have kids, you know, live alone in quarantine. Like they just don't have anything better to do when it's 8 p.m. and they're alone at home and they're bored and, you know, I might as well get online and push some code and get ahead. Yeah, I mean, the reason I just, I used to, in my in my really beginning of my career, I used to try to do side projects after work, but I quickly realized how stupid that was because I had just burned myself out so fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I just was like not productive when my actual job and like not really even finishing my side projects. And it's just like, so I'm not someone who like does any work anymore after regular work hours. And I, st- I tried to stick like, pretty strictly close to 40 hours so yeah yeah i'm the same way i uh i used to do side projects after hours eventually i just started doing it during working hours and that that has been okay for me (laughs) it's a hell of a thing to admit but okay i mean yeah honestly like drop that one in there i think i think people drastically uh underestimate how much non-work stuff like work adjacent stuff they can do during working hours and it's all fine and in a lot of cases is actually a net positive thing like every single blog post i've ever written has been during working hours you know we record these plot <laughs> podcasts during working hours all my side proje- projects I wait fair. During working hours <laughs> um, well, i mean i make care. up the hour that i spend doing this though like it's not like i'm billing this to the client or anything this i make up for why like why do you wise. why do you care like what's the point in in uh you know you could you could spend one less hour on work per week and track one less hour in your timesheet and nobody would give a crap what do you mean by what do you mean track That's one less true. hour do you mean actually submit a timesheet for 39 hours or do you mean yeah, like do that okay i had plenty okay. for like well, 36 yeah, or if 37 you're, if you're if your company's cool with that then sure yeah go for it um, but you're not every company is cool with that. So they do require you to like zealously make up every minute of time that, you know, and of course you can lie, but you know, I, hopefully I mean, you're not doing that. If, if I, if I worked for a company who got me in trouble for putting 39 hours on a timesheet, despite the fact that my project was doing well and my, you know, output was solid, then to me, that's like, that's, that's a deal breaker. I'm going, to I agree with company. you, but not everyone has the flexibility we have, or right. like the, the ability to change jobs maybe as easily as we co- could, or like, it's not that simple. Yeah, that's so. true. That's true. That's fair. There's I mean, a lot of privilege in saying like, I can do other things during work hours and it's like, you can too. Don't like that. That's a little much. <laughs> to assume well i think for the average <laughs> engineer who listens to this podcast i think that's probably fairly true though as in demand as engineering wow. jobs are right now wow shout out to people where all right <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you mean it's just like you're making this broad statement about like everyone in our like little community of like everyone being in the sa- same place of like what they can and can't do with their job i don't know it seems a bit presumptuous <laughs> but you know, do you? I don't know. 
Critter lives in his own bubble, man. I have been saying this well, for so long. That's why he doesn't leave South Carolina. All right. Well, we got like very little time left in theory. So like what? Come on. Like let's, let's, let's do this. What else we got? <laughs> what are you, are you getting bored <laughs> what? here? What's happening? No, I just <laughs> like, I, 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 I'm waiting for, meat. I thought you were going to, I don't know. I guess I just didn't know what to expect here. I thought this was going to be like a lightning round. And so I didn't know if you had other things to get to. I, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to run out of time. Oh, see, Jace, yeah, this is, we should have prepared him. We don't have topics. We just, we, we don't prepare for this. We just show up and talk about whatever This comes just up. makes it even better. Yeah. Okay. But uh, I, I do like have, it. I like this little squirming that's happening in the last six minutes. I got, I got one more thing though that I wanted to ask about. Uh, I think you'll like this one, Mark. Have you ever been on a team with someone who wasn't interested in collaborating? They just wanted to have their own sort of work stream that they owned? Uh, or does that describe you? <laughs> um, no um i'm trying to think to be honest if it described me at any point it definitely doesn't describe me now um i don't think it ever really described me but i'm did i ever work with someone who is like that um yeah absolutely we worked at the same company we all have yeah yeah i just, I, I just was trying to think of specific examples i'm not going to like name names but like who who were right. these people and I think I can remember that there was, well, yes, yeah, so I didn't work with this person, but I, I know for a fact that this is how this person behaved, where they, the company was not a Rails, Ruby on Rails company. Like, we're, we're, they, they were not. They were, they were a Drupal company <laughs> who occasionally did other things. Um, but they had this one dev who just, like, only wanted to do Ruby and only wanted to do it by himself. And, like, don't even dare bring another project to me that is any that is not Ruby and don't put me on a team with other people because like I don't play nicely. And it was like, at the time I didn't really think anything of that. Um, I was just like, all right, well, I guess that's good for them if that's what they want to do. And the company's making money off the project. But now I'm like, wow, what a, what a jackass basically. Um, that's, that's, <laughs> See, I don't, I don't think that's, I think that's a person who, who knew himself and he was honest, you know, and that's, it doesn't seem like, you know, a few years ago, I would have been like, get off my freaking team if you don't want to be on the team. You know, if you're just going to treat the team like a bunch of people who share the same board and that's it, then that's not a team. Um, but now but I it's think also, you're not a member of a team if you only are willing to do exactly the one thing that you love doing the most. That's BS. Right. Come it on. Doesn't, you, it doesn't... You, you have to play. You have to being a team member is about occasionally doing things that you don't love as much. I don't love fixing CI bugs. I don't love writing CSS. Like sometimes that's the job. Like get over yourself. Like you're not that special. All right. But like, you're, you're assuming that it's, it's a person being picky about the task. I'm saying that it's a person being picky about whether or not they're sharing the task with someone else, regardless of what the task is. Whether well, it's, it's about them sharing the task. Like I mean, they that, would... that, that's also BS. I mean, unless you work for a company who, when you hire, when, when you're hired, it's explicitly understood. Yes. You have the freedom and legitimate to like only work by yourself when you want to. Like that's gonna be your prerogative. Then like okay, I guess if that's the culture of where you work, okay. But that's not really the culture of anywhere I've worked, and I think it's pretty rare in general. And I think saying like I only do what I want on my terms by myself is not a team. Like that just screams like I'm not gonna cooperate. That's a freelancer. With you. Yeah, like, I'm not going to cooperate on any level when you need me to cooperate. Like, I, that would be an instant, like, no, I'm not hiring you if someone said that in an interview. 
So mm, see, that's interesting to me that I thought you would take the opposite stance because usually I'm the one that's arguing for like black or white, and you're the one that's saying, well, there's nuance and you know there's value for all kinds of people. So you're saying you're saying you don't want this person. So like if they're uh, if in a um, say you're in sprint planning and you know normally if you're doing scrum the right way you have like a singular sprint goal and the entire team is kind of dedicated to this one achieving this one goal in the sprint um but you've got one person who doesn't really want to do that because that's you know everybody's working on that and you're all kind of like talking back and forth and pairing and sometimes you block each other and it involves coordinating work like this person just wants to have their work stream and they do it and they don't have to be coordinating work back and forth with all types of other people and figuring all that crap out you just that doesn't seem reasonable to you you don't want that no, person you shouldn't infantilize you shouldn't coddle that type of person like get over yourself again unless you work in a company where it's explicitly understood that you have that freedom to do that sort of thing okay fair enough and there are companies like that but um no if you're working in a, in, a, in most companies where you're you're a part of a team like then it's part of a team to do things that you don't always want to do and in fact like that's that's really much more important um, because that if you're only doing the things you want to do and by like, there's lots of detrimental side effects to that. Like you're the only one who then knows how to do the thing that you're doing. If you're probably, if you're not collaborating with other people, um, you've made yourself like an unnecessary dependency and like where if you were gone, like then they'd have to maybe work harder to bring up people up to speed on the thing you've been working on. Like, I, yeah, I just, I, I don't know, maybe I've, I don't know if I always felt this way, but I feel strongly now that if you're not willing to collaborate, if you're just not a, if you're just going to say nope to collaboration, then why would I want you? I uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I think one of my big like aha moments from the past few months is realizing that everyone has a specific set of talents that are kind of ingrained and hard to hard to, you know, force out of them or hard to fix their talents that they don't have like you can't really inject talents so if somebody's talents are they're super productive and they're really good at unblocking themselves um but you know collaboration is not a talent maybe communication is not a talent whatever then i think there's there's a place for that person i I don't think it means that they're unhirable i just think it means that you shouldn't stick them on a team with a ton of other people i think it means they should be a floater you know or a subject matter expert or or something like that like there's a seat maybe I don't maybe but maybe not in your company. Like yeah, maybe that person maybe isn't unhirable, but they may not be hireable for your company. I, yeah. I, um. So yeah, like I think there's cultures and organizations where that could be fine, um, where everyone is more or less like a a freelancer within a within a large group and like can go off and do their own thing for large stretches of time. Yeah, that's sure that exists, and that person could do well there. But and the types of organizations I've worked in, I guess I, I would I find that hard to see that kind of person being helpful. Would you want them on your team, Jace? Depends. On what? Like it, it, it depends on what like the, the actual project was like, because kind of like you're saying the context matters, right? Like if, if I don't know, it depends on what needs to get done. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe, maybe would you want them on your team is not the right question. Maybe it's, can you see a spot for them at your current company or something? Well, at my current company, maybe, because there is some projects where people, there is just like one person working on a project. Like it's not mm-hmm. that uncommon. So yeah, sure. Maybe. Um, but yeah. Well, well, even, even like at, at phase two, I mean, that type of person personality would do really well with like, um, 
just testing out new technologies and stuff just to see if they're worth trying or, or pulling in to, to teach everyone else and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's always that. Yeah. I guess I just like, it, it depends on how absolutist this person's going to be about like, I right. want to be left alone and like, don't bother me. Like, if you just prefer to work on your own, but like you can collaborate when necessary, like, okay, we could probably figure that out maybe. But if it's just like, no, don't bother me ever. And like, I will only do my Ruby work and don't you dare encroach upon me with any other questions. Or even if I would be able to answer those questions, even if I'd be able to help you, like I don't, um, because I'm just not good at collaboration. Well, like, okay, maybe that isn't your skill, but it doesn't mean I can use you. Yeah, I was I was definitely thinking more of the former of just like, don't put this person in a role where their entire job is working alongside other people. But, you know, they're happy to answer questions and unblock people and support and whatever when needed. I think we're yeah. saying the same thing. I feel happy. I'm disappointed. I... They said it couldn't be done. <sighs> I also feel like you uh, buried the whatever. Like you wanted to ask me this question about when can talents be taught or whatever your dumb question was. And then you, you answered it yourself. In, <laughs> Jace, like, your Jace little... wouldn't let me. I, I've, I think you I just, brought it up. You on just like said that talents four. can't be taught. So, of course, I'm going to take the well, opposite. I mean, obviously, my, my opinion is the truth. So I'm just going to assume that I'm not wrong here. Mm. And also, I read it in a book, and therefore, it's right. impossible. So to be our wrong. opinions don't really matter, right? <laughs> do you think? Here's a question: Do you think you read too many books about being a manager? No, I don't think I read inside enough. your own head. Yes, gets me. Oh god! Do you think it's possible to read too many management books? Such he's that just you get inside a your parent. <laughs> he is just a parent. It gets me inside my own head. Yeah, because like all these management books, I'm sure there's a lot of overlap. But I'm sure there's also some contrasting, like, you should do this, you should do that, you should approach this conversation this way. And, like, you have all that swirling around in your head, and your direct reports come to you, like, is that, that might be, I can see that being hard. Oh, man, don't make me have an existential crisis right now. At the very <laughs> <end>. <laughs> uh... I don't know. I mean, I, I think there there definitely are, like, it sometimes does feel pretty bad to be reading a book and it's pointing out a lot of things that I do wrong. And especially if it's not immediately obvious how I can do better at those things. So it's just sort of like a vague sense of, I, I understand that I'm doing bad here, but I'm not really sure what to do about it. And that's, that's scary. Um, and I don't like that. And I think there are times where I, like, try to apply skills that, like, you know, insight that comes from books, but it's hard and I kind of screw it up. Like if I try and do like a coaching conversation, but maybe don't ask the right questions and then it's just sort of awkward and we don't really get anywhere and it would probably would have been better if I just gave advice from the start. Um, I think there's I think there's some of that. I think overall, I'm a much better manager now than I was like four or five years ago, thanks to crap that I read in books and, you know, like tried out. But but yeah, it definitely has its downsides. I'll say that. All right. I'm going to keep reading them, though. I'm reading three right now. I got three book clubs going on. Good lord. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. You you're always you always you're always dropping insights on your on your little blog there that you're getting out of some book and I just wonder like it feels like a lot to to kind of internalize and try to apply at once. Yeah. I'm not saying it's necessarily bad. I'm not saying that. Just saying it seems like a lot. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like this gets into a whole separate conversation of how much do I read a lot of these books because I find them interesting and important versus just like I think that 
being able to recite crap that I saw in books makes me sound smart and my need to be worshipped. It's that one. It <laughs> requires that. It's 100% that. <laughs> so I mean, I'm... Because I, it, it, one, you yeah. have your blog because of it. Two, uh-huh. you have this podcast now because of it, talking about it. I mean, it's it's just going to keep happening. It's It's multiplying now. Yeah. And I'm feeding the beast, so I'm part of the problem here. Yep. But uh, you are too. I'm I'm an enabler the whole time. Yeah. The beast is hungry. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm the opposite. I I really, in fact, I I don't read books that are really about work ever, and I consider management to be kind of work since I'm I'm sort of like a mentor kind of work. And I probably think that I should read more, but I just can't quite motivate myself. Because I'm like, I see that there are valuable insights in these books. One, I can just get them off your blog since it's all you're doing is reading <laughs> them anyway. And yep. two, two um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like I'm also going to be a less effective like person if I'm like spending too much time thinking about work outside of work. But I also think maybe that means I shouldn't be a mentor manager. I do think that a lot. So uh, yeah, I do think that I think about work way too much and I really struggle with leaving work at work. Like that's like, you know, 50% of my non-workout, like whenever I'm not doing anything actively, you know, requiring a lot of brain power, I'm usually like pondering like, what should I say when I talk to this report about that thing? What about this like team that's having problems? It's always on my mind and it's a, it's stressful. I'm trying to work that out. I never felt the stress before Wayfair. This whole new job thing has been a, a source of stress that I'm not down with. Shut up, yeah. you idiot. You would just ghost, like, we'd be on whatever, Flowdoc, it wasn't even Slack, it was Flowdoc, and we would be, like, chatting about, you know, something, and then 5 p.m. would roll around, and you were just gone. You just yeah. would stop responding. I'm out. And, uh, yeah. I, I still like, do okay. that. I, I guess that's how it is. Uh, I, I still do that, but I have to, uh, I use an app that blocks Slack after 5 p.m., so I can't get on it even if I want to, because that's the only way I was able to stay away. You just gotta hit him up over Telegram. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a secret. Join Telegram, Mark. We'll chat all the time. Yeah, don't do it. It's a trap. <laughs> do it. You can chat with my wife. You can be, become friends with my wife, like Jace did. Oh my god! <laughs> you just gotta throw that. Only if this is gonna there. lead to her being on the podcast in like an epic throwdown. She will. Yeah, she, she will she eventually. Will. She'll be on the yeah, podcast. it's gonna okay. be it's gonna be the episode that makes us famous. Get more than <laughs> yeah. forty listeners. I don't know if you want. I don't know if you're ready for that. Yeah, I'm we'd not. probably we both be fired immediately if this, if this ever uh, got more than forty listeners. I mean, no one listens. Forty, like, like, who listens to this really? I mean, just mostly friends and family. It might be thirty-five bots, and then like, yeah, five close family members. Yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all ready? And to wrap you, it? Mark, because you're obsessed with Critter, apparently. That's right. And everything he does, and right, super fan. Uh, giving him all yeah. the likes and views I mean, I, I tried to do some research. I was trying to do some opposition research <laughs> coming into this, so I ready. I was ready for what was going to be thrown at me. I like how I, you I'd did say, more prep than we did. I I, I go through. Uh, sometimes I I think your blog is like, oh, that's that was refreshing, that was insightful, and like, oh, that was stupid. So I mean, I go <laughs> I go through. It's got its ups and downs for me. Um, oh, I want to hear. Uh, I want you to after this find me a post that you had like, oh, that was stupid reaction to because I'm always. Curious. You already know. I, we could. St- I could. Oh, I you mean the instantly... documentation thing? No, I. I the one where you said that uh, it was like a certain type of employee that doesn't get anything done, but that's okay. You can still find somewhere for that employee. And I was like, no, man, no. 
What? We had, we had a lot never of read about that. I don't know what you're yeah, talking you about. Yeah, you did. You like you called the person Fred. You were like, listen, Fred may not oh, actually Fred. be productive. Freaking but, Fred. No, but no, Fred, 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 you know, even though he doesn't achieve anything ever, like you, you could find a place for him. Don't no. worry about it. It wasn't that he didn't achieve anything. It was that he didn't achieve the work he was assigned. There's <laughs> a big difference. Oh. Right, so we in, we have the, always have the flexibility to invite it to create the magical role that is gonna. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Half the job is like sometimes doing things that aren't your best skill. Like that's life. Sometimes you have to do things that aren't your best skill, and you have to do things that you don't want to do, and you like get over it. But it's like, just but part a, of it. A good manager matches talents with the role as much as they can. And so if you got a Fred who's obsessed with infrastructure and tooling and improving developers' lives, and he's not interested in like building widget x for users then like put him on infrastructure engineering man stick that guy on a platform team get him what if that doesn't really exist at your company well then he needs a new company and that's okay you well just... that's my point <laughs> is that he may not it. he may not fit at your company I'm, I'm saying sure in theory if you can magically match everyone to their most ideal role go for it and yeah that is the job of a good manager but that is not always possible you don't think most companies could use just one person who it's their job to make lives of all the other developers easier? I feel like if you've got at least five developers, then you can use that person. I also question whether even if they you put them in that magical role, whether they would still achieve anything. Because I often think those kind of people, like they're really good at like having ideas but not executing on anything ever. Again, the, the, the same problem persists where they're like really interested in the one thing they're interested in but they're still not productive in doing anything with it. How dare you? I'm going to tell Fred you said that. <laughs> All right. It's weekend time. I got to wrap it. Mark, it's been a pleasure. Will you come back in like six weeks? Four weeks? You keep saying, dude, you keep telling everyone six weeks. Are we having like a limited amount of guests that we're just going to Yeah, I feel like there's a what, lot. What, what's yeah. the plan here? We, we, you, we, you're not informing have... me with what you're thinking in your head. Let's have six guests that we rotate through. I feel like... You can find you're much better guests than me if you're really if you're really hurting for content. We can talk, and uh, <laughs> we'll see how the we'll see how the community responds to this. That's that, we'll see. We'll go from there. The, I can go ahead and tell you there's going to be zero response because there never is. Well, <laughs> like that's the that's way fair. this goes. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. But I loved it. All right, we can time y'all. Thanks, Mark. All right. All right. Later. Thanks, Mark. Your pals, Jace. Great to talk to you, Critter. Go away. All right. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Yay. Bye.